Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson. And this is Angie Danielson. Join us each week as we explore the hymns of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. I'm your host, Steve Danielson, and I'm here with my enduring co-host, Angie. Hi. (laughs) Angie, you've had to endure years and years of my bad jokes and puns. That is true. (laughs) I thank you for enduring well. (laughs) Today, we are talking about hymn number 128, When Faith Endures. Sounds a little bit better than enduring jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this week's hymn corresponds to the Come Follow Me reading in Hebrews 7 to 13, in particular chapter 11, and we will get to that later. Uh, I hope that you can endure me talking about this hymn today. Uh, so what uh, today our, our uh, poet is Naomi Randall, and we have talked about Naomi Randall yeah, before. She's quite famous. Yeah. So we talked about her when we talked about the hymn, uh, I Am a Child of God. Uh, and that is what she's probably best known for in the church. But she also has uh, this hymn in the hymn book. Yeah, I was surprised. I thought she only had written I Am a Child of God. Yeah. I didn't know she'd written others. Yeah. So I guess she's she wrote a lot of poetry all the way up into her 90s before she passed away. She was writing poetry and lyrics for songs and things like that. Um, one thing I didn't know as I was researching and typed in Naomi Randall into Google... <laughs> Is that there's also an anime character named Naomi Randall from a series called Scarlet Nexus. That's weird. Yeah. I, although, honestly, I couldn't tell if it was an actual series or if it was a just a video game or if it was both. I don't really know. All I know is there's some question to whether or not this character is dead or not. So that's all I got. <laughs> I don't remember... Finding that when we talked about I am a child of God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, it didn't look like it was a new thing. Yeah, that's funny. Anyway, since uh, since we've already talked about Naomi Randall before, I decided to create a little quiz about Naomi Randall. Oh, great. I don't know if I remember everything. Uh, yeah. It's four questions and it, it is multiple choice. So your chances are pretty good. Uh, so uh, first of all, she was born October 5th, 1908, about a month and a half before my grandma, actually. My grandma was born in 1908 in November on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, So where was she born? A, Fremont, Pennsylvania. B, Ogden, Utah. Or C, Tucson, Arizona. (laughs) T, we'll skip right to T. I think it was Ogden, Utah. It was Ogden, Utah. That is correct. (laughs) Ding, 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 ding. All right, number two. Naomi Randall was author and illustrator, or not author and illustrator, just the author, of an illustrated segment in the Friend magazine for 13 years. The illustrators changed over the years, but the concept remained the same with her as author. They followed the thoughts and capers of a young boy and his dog. What were what were these segments called? Was it Tommy Truckleton? B. Christopher Curmudgeon? Or C. Barnaby Bumbleberry? <laughs> Those are great. <laughs> Barnaby Bumbleberry. That is correct. It was Barnaby <laughs> Bumbleberry ran in the friend for 13 years. I saw one online today. Oh, did you? Um, where he was trying to decide what sort of mustache he wanted to grow when he grew up. 
<laughs> and it, all the men in his life all had mustaches and he was going through all this list of you know do I want a mustache like the the French gentleman I know or this big curly mustache like the doctor or the lawyer or something I don't know he went through this big list <laughs> and it, was, it was cute that's funny was it written kind of like a comic strip type of thing like Matt and Mandy or is yeah, it, was it different that, that sort of thing it yeah. was an illustrated little comic strip that's that funny. followed the adventures of Barnaby Bumbleberry and his dog Blinker <laughs> That's great. All right, number three. She served 27 years on the primary general board, including six years in the presidency. Uh, which of the following happened in her uh, happened during her time with the primary general board? So from 1947 to 1974. A, the development of the CTR ring. B, the first primary teacher manuals were published. Or C, Cub Scouting was assigned to primary. It's a little tougher one. It is. <laughs> I want to say the CTR ring. That is correct, but so are the other ones. Oh, all three of those things happen. Said all of the above. <laughs> well, and I didn't want to give it away. You could have said any answer and it would have been correct. <laughs> all three of those things happened during her time uh, with the primary. Hmm. And number four, the song I Am a Child of God was introduced in 1957 and has been translated into more than 140 languages. In 1978, Naomi Randall wrote a fourth verse to the song, Why Wasn't It Included in the 1985 Hymn Book? A, it was considered not officially part of the song. B, it was too long and didn't fit on the page. Or C, there was a member of the music committee who really didn't like Sister Randall and threatened to walk out if they included the fourth verse. <laughs> I don't think it's that one. <laughs> I don't think it's A. It is A. It was considered not officially part of the song. Uh, but when the 1989 children's songbook came out, uh, they did include the fourth yeah, verse. Yeah, in the bottom. At, at, the, at the, bottom. the bottom. So I don't know. When we see the new hymn book, will we see the fourth verse in there? That would be nice. Yeah. It's a nice verse. It it's is. lovely. All right. So when, uh, about When Faith Endures. So she wrote the text first in 1964 after a friend asked her to write a poem expressing her feelings and convictions. She said Paul's words in Second Timothy 1, 6-7 came to mind. Stir up the gift of God which is in thee. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Which is the scripture that's down at the bottom of right. the page. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is a quote from, from her. She said, Following some deep thought and sincere prayer during the summer of 1964, I penned my testimony. Through past experience, I had come to know that fear does depart and confidence, inner strength, and peace of mind come from love of God, genuine humility, and enduring faith. Which go along perfectly with this text here. Uh, and she died in 2001 at the age of 92. So she lived a long, long life. full life. Yeah. So I, I'd like to turn for a moment to our composer. The composer of our song today is Stephen M. Jones, uh, born in 1960 in Murray, Utah. And he's still alive. He's our first living composer that we've talked about. Yeah, that's on this awesome. Program. I love that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, we think about. Well, why aren't more of these composers alive? I mean, this hymn book was published in 1985. So if someone was even in their 50s when they wrote this hymn, they'd be in their 80s. Yeah. Now, I mean, <laughs> this is this is an older hymn book now. Uh, but he was young when he wrote this. He was in his 20s. So he's still working, uh, still alive. He began studying music at age 9, started composing mu music at age 16. Wow. Well. He graduated magna cum laude in music composition from BYU in 1983. 
uh, and received his master's and doctorate degree from CCM, the College Conservatory of Music uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio. He is currently professor of music composition at BYU and served for time as dean of the College of Fine Arts and Communications. Cool. I want to say that he was there when we were there. I remember seeing his picture. But you never had him? No, I never took composition classes. I wish I had. Yeah. I wish I could go back now and take composition classes in college. As a composer now, I feel like I missed out a lot in the lessons that I could have learned. Uh, You know, I... I have mentioned this before, but I do have another podcast where I interview living composers and over and over I hear them talk about the the lessons they learned from their teachers and these exercises they would give them that helped sort of strengthen their skills. I'm like, yeah. I, I didn't get that and I wish I had done it. Yeah. I didn't ever see myself becoming com- composer. That was not my trajectory of yeah. what I was planning <laughs> to do, so I didn't take these classes. Anyway. Looks like he's about the same age as some of my siblings. Yeah, born 1960, 60s. so... Yeah. Yeah, same age as some of your older siblings. Uh, his chamber choral and orchestral music has been commissioned by the Chicago Symphony, Utah Symphony, the Utah Arts Festival, the Beijing Modern Music Festival, the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, and many others. So, uh, quite accomplished. Uh, in 1997, he wrote music for the film Eliza and I, which is about Eliza R. Snow. Yeah. Uh, and it's adapted from a, a one-woman play hmm. and still has some of that stage element Interesting. I've never heard of it. Uh, Anyway, he wrote the music for that. So since he is still alive, I decided to reach out and actually contact him about this hymn. And uh, he wrote back to me about how he was in grad school in Ohio when he received a text from Michael F. Moody, who was the church music director at the time. Uh, And they were... The music committee was actually inviting several composers to set this text from Naomi Randall uh, for inclusion in the hymn book which is a very different process than they're going through now for the new hymn book. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they opened this up to submissions, got 17,000 submissions. Yeah. So I don't think they were necessarily contacting composers and saying, hey, set this <laughs> to music. I think they probably had more than they knew what to do with. Probably. Um, anyway, they asked for the setting to be back in about a week. So it was a pretty quick turnaround. And he said this, quote, the composition of this hymn didn't come with a lot of fanfare. I just wrote it and sent it off. It came quickly. As I recall, it was sung in October 1985 General Conference, just after the book came out. It was fun to hear it in that setting and in many other settings in the intervening years. So they just said, we have this poem by Naomi Randall and want you to set it to music? Yeah, because she wrote it back in the 1960s. Yeah. And so she was still alive and still involved, and so they had this poem and... Sent it to several composers, and his was the one that sort of won out in the end. So that makes me wonder, like, did she submit her poem to be considered for the hymn book? It could be. Or they contacted her since they knew her well and said, hey, do you have anything that you'd like to send us? I just never thought about people just submitting poetry and then like without any music behind it. Well, actually with the new hymn book, they actually asked for submissions of just, just hymn poems. texts as hmm. well. Uh, composers were allowed to submit five hymns and poets could also submit five hymn texts. Hmm. So possibly if they find something they want, maybe they do contact some composers and say, hey, it. we have this hymn, this would you compose something? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I never thought about it like that. I always thought about it just all being together, you know, <laughs> when they submit it. But yeah, that's cool. Anyway, 
Uh, so I, I do want to turn to the to the hymn here. Uh, this is an unusual verse or an unusual hymn in the fact that it only has one verse. Uh, would you read that for us, Aaron? Sure. I will not doubt. I will not fear. God's love and strength are always near. His promised gift helps me to find an inner strength and peace of mind. I give the Father willingly my trust, my prayers, humility. His spirit guides, his love assures that fear departs when faith endures. Yeah, I love the fact that Sister Randall talks about the fact that this is just her testimony. Yeah. Uh, this is a very personal thought. Um, as you were reading that second, um, well, I guess the third line, his promised gift helps me to find an inner strength and peace of mind. I mean, I can, I can see her sitting there and thinking about all that the Lord has done for her in times of trouble, uh, times of consternation, knowing that the Lord can bring her that peace. Um, his promised gifts helped me to find an inner strength and peace of mind. And I love the talk of overcoming fear through faith. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, Stephen Jones talks about how it came quickly, but it was not without thought. Uh, I'd like to actually read what he wrote um, in for Karen Davidson. In, in the email that I sent him, I asked him if he had any additional information. He said, I just rewrote, reread what I wrote for Karen Davidson, and I don't think I can say it any better. So <laughs> I'm going to say what he wrote here. He says, the opening lines express faith and confidence in the Lord's love. Here, the repeated stable bass gives the music a solid foundational beginning. The modulation in the second phrase lifts the music, depicting the inner strength and peace of mind found through the Holy Ghost. The third phrase is the only one that does not begin with a solid foundational bass. Here, the bass and soprano move outward, opening the sound of the music and depicting the act of giving the Father our trust, prayers, and humility. The highest note in the melody occurs in this phrase, perhaps indicating a reaching out to God with the willingness spoken of in the text. And the last phrase ends in a long note values, suggesting the endurance we need to show in exercising our faith. Hmm, that's good. Yeah. I like that. So it was it was very thoughtful yeah. in the way it was composed, not just the melody, but also the harmonies and how they related to the text of the poem. That's neat. Yeah. Uh, Steve Jones called this uh, tune name Wendy after his wife. That was another thing that I, I got from him in his email. Because um, it just said in the book, just said it was named Wendy, but I don't know why. So has he written any other songs in this hymn book? Uh, this is the only one he has in the hymn book. Um, I mean, wonderful composer has written a lot of other things, but that's just the one in the hymn book. Uh, perhaps we'll see more in the next. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, at the close of his email, he did say to me, I'm grateful for the opportunity to have had set this text. Its message is a wonderful reminder of the power and faith in the Savior that can bring into our lives. I think now more than ever we need to endure in faith. And I think this text gives us a chance over and over to state that we will be faithful. Uh, so I, I love that thought um, that this uh, that this song, this hymn becomes a, a reminder for us of not only our faith, but also the faith the Savior has in us. Um, I think it's great. Um, and he also sent a rumor. Um, <laughs> he said Naomi Randall actually wrote a second verse to this hymn, and he thinks it may be included in the new hymn book. 
but we'll we'll, we'll see, see if that yeah. actually ends up happening. Interesting. Yeah. I, I'd love to see the next verse. The words to it aren't in they our are Latter-day hymns. They are not in our Latter-day hymns. <laughs> so it was not something that has been shared yet. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this week's reading, we are in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, you can't talk about faith without talking about Hebrews chapter yeah, 11. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Angie, would you read Hebrews 11 verse 1? Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay. So that is a, that's sort of Paul's definition of faith. How, how would you summarize that in your words? Well, I like that down here in the footnote, it says assurance, like the Greek is instead of substance says assurance. So faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So gives us faith gives us an assurance that the things that we're hoping for are true, mm-hmm. that we can look forward to them. Yeah, and things not seen. They're, they're not things that we see and then believe. We believe even without seeing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I've, I have not seen God, and yet I know he's there. I've seen his blessings. I've seen the evidences around me that God is there, but I haven't seen him. And yet I I still believe. I still have faith that yeah. he is there. Yeah. Um the thing the great thing about chapter 11 here is that it just gives us example after example after example of those that endured in faith. Um from verses 4 to 32 I mean, it starts with Abel offering sacrifice. We go to Enoch, who is translated with his city. Noah being warned of God, of of the incoming destruction. Uh, We have the faith of Abraham uh, and uh, all that he went through. And Sarah. I I love that it mentions Sarah as well. It wasn't just Abraham. It was the two of them together that created this covenant family. Uh, and then we have Isaac and Jacob and Joseph. I mean, just these remarkable people that we we see here. And then it goes to Moses, who led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And almost sometimes it seemed like it was just Moses' faith that was carrying the children yeah, of Israel through, <laughs> through the desert. Um <laughs> And, I, you know, I had highlighted all these names a while ago, and I was looking through them like, oh, man, this is such a great list. And then I got to the end of, you know, end of where it talks about Moses, and, and I started thinking, oh, man. And then you have, like, the judges. You've got, like, Gideon and Deborah and you know, all these. And, and then, then I look over here in this verse, there. and, oh, yeah, the, and tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel. It doesn't mention Deborah, but that's another yeah. great example. <laughs> But we have such great examples. And if Paul lived somewhere else, then we could have had another list as well. Well, we do. In the Book of Mormon, we have Ether chapter 12. Oh, that's where true. Moroni lists out people, Ammon and like Abinadi, and he lists yeah. the, the Nephites that, where Christ appeared to them. And Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, such a, a great list from there as well. Nephi and yeah. Ammon and Alma, Abish. Yeah. Sariah. I mean, with so many people with great faith, and 
it makes it easier to say, okay, we can have hope and faith in something that we can't see, you know, because there's all these witnesses, all these people that have had that experience with God yeah. in the scriptures. And we can endure in faith. You know, um, we are we are expected to endure to the end. And sometimes that seems like a really hard thing to do. But I think if we are enduring in faith, I think it's the faith that makes it possible to endure to the end. Yeah. If you're trying to endure without faith, that's just... Suffering. Suffering, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's like fasting without a purpose. That's just going hungry. Yeah. If you're enduring without faith, then you're just suffering. It's not enduring at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And as I was reading through these examples today... And thinking about these people, Moses and, and Joseph and Nephi, and I started thinking about people in my own life or in our lives. I mean, both of our parents are great examples of this enduring faith, enduring faith mm-hmm. that they just keep going. Uh, your parents were faithful till the end of their lives. My parents are currently serving a, a mission in the uh, Copenhagen Temple. I mean, such examples of faith. And then, like, my grandparents were yeah, so so faithful in all that they did. And we have examples not only from our family, but friends that we've been able to see as well. And I was reminded of the, the last lines of our hymn today. I give the Father willingly my trust, my prayers, humility. His spirit guides, his love assures that fear departs when faith endures. We all face times that are fearful, that are scary. But if we have faith, then the Lord then the Lord can help us through those times. And it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easier, but the ability to endure them becomes easier because of the faith in Christ. Yeah. At- I went to a Relief Society women's conference today for a stake, and one of the classes I went to was called Fear Not, Worry Not, so it was all about <clears throat> this, and um, one of the things we talked about was fear is part of our mortal existence. It's like one of those natural man tendencies mm-hmm. to fear, but it's when we fear and then still move forward with faith that makes the difference. You know, and not just staying in that fear. Yeah. Because sometimes we look at the scriptures and we say, oh, it says in the scriptures to not fear, you know. (laughs) So maybe I shouldn't ever fear at all. Uh, The Lord's always saying, fear not or whatever, or that you can't have faith and fear in the same place. But like it's a fact that we're going to have fears and then we need to move forward in faith. Right. It's the faith that helps us overcome the fear. Yeah. Um, Because the fear is going to happen. We are going to be afraid of things. Like you said, it's a human reaction. But if we turn to the Lord and have that faith, he can help us through and help us endure. And that's what these examples show. It never says that Moses was never afraid of anything. I mean, when the Lord told them, go free the people of out of Egypt, you don't think there was a little bit of fear? There was definitely yeah. <laughs> fear. That's why he had to say, okay, I'm going to 
send you with Aaron. I'm going to give you these signs and I'm going to strengthen you. Because he was afraid. Yeah. He was afraid to go forward. But he moved forward in faith. And the faith is what carried the children of Israel out of Egypt. And we can do the same thing. Hopefully we'll, we'll never be called to lead a children uh, lead a people out of Egypt <laughs> or anywhere else for that matter. <laughs> so do you have anything else to add about this hymn today? Nope. That was good. Okay, well we'll have a short singing session today because there's only one verse. That's right. <laughs> mm. I will not doubt, I will not fear. God's love and strength are always near. His promise gift helps me to find an inner strength and peace of mind. I give the Father willingly my trust, my prayers, humility. His Spirit guides, His love assures that fear departs when faith endures. I have to say, I was a little bit fearful and nervous while singing that because I, I'm going to be sending this to brother jones <laughs> and uh, he may hear us singing that <laughs> so, <laughs> so i had to have faith and move forward <laughs> well friends thank you for joining us today as we discuss the hymn when faith endures as always it is a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns we would love to hear from you what you think about the podcast and about the hymns if you'd like to connect with us please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com or contact us through our website knowinghim.weebly.com In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to knowing him.